Anyway, welcome to this episode of Scale is Needed, the last episode of the 2019 calendar year, guys. Hey-o. And the amount of fitness we have to recap in this episode is extraordinary. We're going to be going through a list of our top 100 fitness moments each, you know, in the calendar year. Stuff from sanctionals, stuff from the games. You know, we've each poured through a lot of moments, a lot of uh, a lot of video, a lot of archived articles from a lot of different sources, and we're going to really give you an in-depth recap. If you were in a coma in fitness in 2019, this is going to be this the, is going to yeah. bring you back up to speed. This is going to tell you everything you need to know about fitness. Uh, but before we get to that, mm-hmm. we are going to spend a short period of time talking about some pop culture stuff. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of time. A digression, if you will. Yeah, a small digression. Uh, Chase is not here with us right now. He is in West Virginia visiting his family uh, and his friends, whatever we are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he left his acquaintances mm-hmm. behind, his workplace behind. Hopefully yeah. he will see aliens when he is there. That's what I'm always hoping when he comes back from yeah. West Virginia. I mean, he has some stories, man. He yeah. definitely has some stories, and I, I hope that he can grace us with some new stories when he gets back. But mm-hmm. um, with aliens from galaxies far, far away. Speaking of galaxies far, far away, great mm-hmm. segue there, Clifford. Hey-o. We I don't get it. Are now going to be talking about Star Wars. It's time to talk about Star Wars, guys. Rise yeah. of Skywalker. Rise of the Skywalker is the name of this movie. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> we have is not the discussed name of the it. Movie. We've all seen it. We haven't discussed. Cliff and I saw it together. We haven't discussed it with you though. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you guys, I'm sure, have talked about it. Oh yeah, length, extensively. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times did you guys see it? I think it's a good place to start. Just the just the one. Okay. Time. So Kyle saw it just the one time. Cliff, oh, Cliff did you see? I it saw it the second time oh, last okay. night. Gotcha. Cliff mm-hmm. saw it twice. I saw it once on Friday. Uh, I went alone to the theater, yeah, yeah. and uh, uh, I, I mean, it was a packed theater. Mm-hmm. I just went alone to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. It was the best <laughs> movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Favorite yeah, yeah. Star Wars movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, so, to, to, all right so, so let's let's stop fucking around here for a second. Let's stop fucking around here for a second. <laughs> um, so honestly, here's what I do have to say. I was not looking forward to the experience of being in that theater at all. I really wasn't. I uh, It was something we... And and you know I think the other two people at this table can attest to it. We we had and to kind of begrudgingly agree to like see the movie, and we're like, I'm gonna see it, and it's like, fuck, I I guess yeah, I don't know. Never like, before has the setup been so hard for a movie to I do know. so poorly. There, I yeah, was I know. Actually, dreading every moment that I was gonna but, be watching it. But we ended up agreeing to see it just purely so that we could discuss it here on the podcast before the break, and sure. so we went there. So I was really kind of sitting down dutifully, you know, as a not. Not, not as Kyle movie fan, but as Kyle professional, high-paid podcast host. That's right. Who collects a big salary to show up here. And, you know, because you pay me what you do, Armin, I, I show up. I sh- And I showed up to that theater to see it really not expecting. And again, I just, uh, and for no other reason, it's not that I thought the movie was going to be particularly poorly made. I just have no connection to this trilogy, to these characters. Wasn't up for it. And I sat down. And I had a way better time than I was expecting to have. That's I had a, a fantastic good. time watching this movie. Um, uh, it is definitely a big hot mess in a lot of places that has some like 20 minutes of like kind of shockingly, I, w- I don't want to say cringeworthy, but I did want to say I was oh. kind of aghast at how big the swing was in terms of just rewriting the whole story of what the trilogy was about in the first 20 minutes uh, you can say cringeworthy yeah, yeah. i was i was, I was qu- cringing out of my seat for much of indeed the first 20 minutes where we have yes. all the palpatine stuff and all the early leia stuff the mm. one two punch of those man carrie fisher's face 
No, I mean they they do so much. They they use so much fake Carrie Fishering in this movie. Like there's so many scenes that they are have entirely maximum. They're maximum, just so yeah. that, that's one of the things is I cannot talk about this movie as a whole. We have to talk about the things that I really like about it, which we'll get to in a minute, and we have to talk about all of the things that are that are just really hard to sit through that I'm sure most people are now rattling to say this is a terrible movie. And you're and right, those things are terrible, but just because we were counting on those things being terrible, but there's other stuff there. Go ahead. Uh, and also let's make a let's distinguish here. Uh, let's first let's just talk about the movie yeah. as a movie because there's a whole nother discussion of the entire cultural moments this movie is about, and the backstory of re- of you know how 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 this trilogy was right. handed off uh-huh. and all that. So let's just discuss it as a movie in itself. Okay. And who cares about that other shit? So, so <laughs> um, Kyle but, was yes. pleasantly surprised. But Cliff, he, yes, were you pleasantly surprised? Ditto. I mean, basically, it was after the first twenty minutes of just almost kind of cringing myself out of my seat and onto the floor for much of that. I found myself enjoying a sequence and then kind of enjoying another sequence and remembering that J.J. Abrams pretty consistently is able to make whatever movie he's doing, even if the story is dumb, fun and engaging the whole way through. And I found myself pretty engaged and having a good time the whole rest of the way through to the end, pretty much. Armin, what was your take? I was bored out of my mind oh, really? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah there was okay. I, I mean there was legit moments maybe i don't know maybe i, I what was, even with tiny babu or whatever his name was yeah. baba frick yeah he was the best character in the entire in the entire trilogy the yeah. entire new trilogy. it might be and uh, finally yeah I finally was, armenian representation in uh, who's the armenian babu the tiny guy that's armenian. you think he was armenian oh no, that makes just, sense I actually no I, that's based on no that, no cultural stereotypes i'm even aware of yeah that's not that bad i just decided suddenly he was armenian he'd be he's a space armor I love it. Yes, your, Babu's, your, your people are known for meddling with cyborgs. Yeah, Babu yes. transmission and falafel. Yes, uh, is where they went. Yes, uh, best falafel on this side of the this side of the outer rim. So yeah. I, I thought I thought it was kind of boring. Yeah, um, I had very 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 low expectations. Uh, they it definitely exceeded those expectations. I mean, for sure. At, at nobody like you know pooped in their hand and like forced through it at someone yeah. else's face, which was about like the the sort of hurdle that I was gonna I was offering it in terms of it being an acceptable film. But yeah. um, I thought it was I, I just thought it was a little boring. I thought there were some really interesting parts in terms of like some of the action stuff, but like overall, uh. I've just found myself like in a meta sort of like worrying mindset of why am I even watching this? What is the point of this? Why do I even watch movies? Like what, what, (laughs) what was the entire, (laughs) and I know the answer to that. I am the the answer. That's money. It's just, it's just cash, straight cash money, bro. But there's gotta be a moment and we'll get to spoilers. Well, let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. This movie, um, What's interesting to me about it is that it very clearly and very weirdly announces kind of what it is right up front, which is like this major the dead speak. Yes, exactly. Just the, or this whole this whole crazy weird horror Hellraiser opening. 
And then this ridiculous scene where it's almost like feels like a Key and Peele skit where everyone's like quickly shouting exposition at each other as the camera's whipping around. All right, everybody, here's the deal. Palpatine's back. Uh, he's got about 10,000 ships on a fucking planet. Uh, this is the fight. It's like they're pitching the movie basically in that first 20 minutes. And they pitch the movie and we're like, all right, everyone caught up. Everyone can everyone agree on these terms. And everyone stands around a circle and goes, yeah. And then we just proceed. And it, that's the most shocking part of the movie is just watching that shit play out and I'm sure that is when most people jumped off and I myself was just sort of you know just kind of giggling at it a little bit but just a little bit kind of and honestly just and just legitimately enjoying the huge weird swings the film was taking um and then after that once it got clear of that and here's the level in which I enjoyed the film is it felt like a sequel to a second part to and and I do mean a second part to as opposed to a third a second part to and a clarification upon the force awakens in that it feels like this was the logical second film that JJ Abrams sort of probably assumed was going to follow or had in his mind when he was building the characters you can finally kind of begin to understand the relationship between Rey and between Kylo Ren as a kind of key master and a gatekeeper of the force sort of a thing you can see that the redemptive arc of uh, that the arc of uh, Rey was going to be spoilers everybody I guess a second film reveal that she was from the hair of Palpatine and then thinking that she's in darkness and that it was going to mirror Luke realizing that Han was his father or that, Luke, that Darth Vader was his father was going to come back in the third film and you see that you know Kylo Ren could have killed Han Solo had a redemptive moment in the second film where all of a sudden he comes around and then we could have had a third film where he has a blaster in one hand and is wearing a little vest and is kind of taken on his father's mantle in some way you can kind of see that arc and suddenly you can look back at Force Awakens and you can say okay I kind of see where things were going all that but then when you look at that like Force Awakens is part one this is part two and the real tragedy here is you know, you can kind of see the shape of that story, but then they had to cram it all into one fucking movie real fast. So we got like Han Solo, Kylo Ren for literally 10 seconds before he then had to get <laughs> murked. Spoilers, everybody. But we kind of see this. Okay, this was going to be the second film. And then when you see how much sense these story developments make relative to the first film, and there's still plenty of shit that doesn't make sense. Why is Poe Dameron there? We have like three different Han Solos somehow. It's just bizarre. There's a bunch of redundant shit. Even then, it makes it makes um, it makes uh, uh, the Last Jedi <laughs> look like such a strange and bizarre digression from what the story was. We set up some characters in Force Awakens, and it's like here's some basic characters. Uh, here's some interesting uh, things that set them in opposition to one another. And then in this film, we see here's how that should probably play out. You know, here's like you know the guy and the girl torn apart by dark side, light side of the Force. You know, in the original trilogy, it was a father and son. Now it's two lovers. They're going to come together. It's going to be revealed that she has this extra super evil heritage that connects her throughout the whole trilogy. He was going to do something terrible and kill Han Solo, but ultimately redeem himself. Like All that makes fucking sense. And then you look at what was written for the second film and what actually was made. And, and you kind of you scratch poo at the yes, you know, as you scratch your head and you go, where was he headed? Like what? Like they, this had to have been part well, of the conversation. It was he wasn't headed anywhere. It was he was given several yeah. 
well, one, you know, someone pointed this out. I'm not clever enough, but that the uh, that Luke being handed the lightsaber from Rey at the end of The Force Awakens was a handing of the baton from one filmmaker to the next. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but God, that, that's stupid. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. But that he, uh, but that Rian Johnson had clear setups. There was a direction where all of them could have gone, and it was a deliberate, and deliberate not in necessarily a malicious way, deliberate in a, oh, I'm a clever boy way, <laughs> of taking all those setups, slicing them off, carterizing them so that nothing can grow anymore so that he can have everyone think that he's a clever boy because he did what wasn't expected. Yeah, Yeah, I've got to say, not to rehash sort of the Last Jedi talk that we've had for for the past... When did that movie even come out? Two years ago? Two years ago. For the last two years. Um, But there, there is no... Like, there was no way that J.J. Abrams could hit a home run with this movie the 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 mm-hmm. best case scenario yeah. is basically what we got and it's it's unfortunate in my opinion i agree with you for a lot of reasons but continue because the, there's a couple <laughs> things that star wars does exceptionally well across the board 100 percent of the time uh the music's amazing the sound design is usually fucking off the charts the uh special effects are mm-hmm. always really solid like all that stuff looks great feels great feels like star wars Mm -hmm. and then and then you get into like what's actually happening on the screen and you're like this this is an indiana jones movie or this this is a bad video game yeah or Mm -hmm. this like the first 10 minutes of the entire movie so much indiana jones it's like the the first 10 minutes of the movie is fucking star tours yeah yeah. do you guys remember star tours from disneyland you sat inside of like a a transport and it hyperspace jumps to like one planet and then it flies around and vibrates for a second Ah. and hyperspace jumps to another planet and i was like jj abrams you motherfucker like this is awful this yes. is not it like doesn't work within the universe it's it literally work preceded a by a trailer for the new film jungle cruise starring it emily was, blunt so i think we're past <laughs> that point armin but go like, ahead it, it was it was just so jarring to to sit there there was like moments where there's there's almost this catharsis of like oh yeah this movie is basically flipping double birds off to the last jedi the same way that all of us have over the past like it well, basically it, it could not have it could have been more clearly anti the Last Jedi, but I think it, it was pretty obviously like that movie. Never I don't, within existed, the realms guys. of decency, I don't think you can get more get more done to yeah without being Jedi. like but, overtly yeah. rude. Well, here, here oh, just right. real quick, here is an analogy to another uh, film and a sequel there that I'm very big fan of: Raid and Raid Two, The Godfather Two. Yes, The Raid and The Raid <laughs> Two. They're both badass martial arts movies, but in their conception. The, two, the stories of each didn't really have anything to do with each other. So at the beginning of the Raid 2, the characters who are involved in all the conflicts in the Raid 1 are killed, swept under the rug, and then the guy says, none of that shit mattered, we're going to do something else now. Yeah. That's basically what the first 20 minutes of this movie felt like, and actually a couple other points thereafter, but was just to quickly, okay, we don't have a lot to go on here. Fuck everything that happened in the first one. We need to just get that out of the way as ex- expeditiously as we can. Guys, you get that the quality is kind of bad when we're doing these scenes because it's kind of a necessary thing we need to get over. And now let's tell something new. Mm-hmm. So it felt like it was just transparent to anyone who's been paying attention a little bit at each of those moments that that's what was being done. And it was almost because of that that I could forgive the clunkiness of it. Mm -hmm. It almost felt, because the clunkiness was so obvious on its face that it felt like... 
We're not even watching a movie at sure. this point. We're watching something that's just necessary to get out of the way so we can get on with the actual movie. I definitely, I, I definitely won't. I mean, I, I've been hearing a lot of people be super fucking negative on like J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams, or uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that far. I, I yeah. dislike the Last Jedi. I don't like it as a movie. I don't like it, especially as a Star mm-hmm. Wars story. I don't like Rise of Skywalker as a Star Wars story either. Mm-hmm. But as like a movie and the context around it, he kind of nailed what he could have the best he possibly could have yeah. like the well, the actual plot itself is like a whole yeah. different set of issues well what i think is interesting about it is is that you know he started writing these characters in the first film there was this digression for the second film into whatever it was and now we see him in this third film kind of with a desire to bring home a lot of the character arcs he probably set up in the first that he had in mind or at least even if it was only a vague intention when the thing was set in motion and he wants to bring everything home in this in this in this third thing and what is funny though is even with an entire digression away from anything that makes sense with these characters for an entire film and then a bunch of time wasted in this film to do the huge narrative sort of u-turn like the first 20 minutes is essentially them summarizing the content that should have been in the second film the palpatine reveal all that that also the palpatine reveal should have been the big thing in the middle of uh the second episode so they're going through all of that but still even with all of that wasted time, it's still funny, I think. And people will laugh at these things because they think they have to. They have to distance themselves emotionally from them. But I think that people will come around to it. This is my experience watching it. But the moments like Ray and Kylo kissing or uh, or uh, the, them winning at the end or whatever the fuck happened, I found them to be surprisingly effective relative to how those characters had been portrayed up to this point good god no, i could no. not disagree more no, no here's 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 and and, and but here's why here's let me i'll just i think you will eventually come around to this and here's why because it's shocking to see how how badly the film isn't working in the first 20 minutes it, it is it is pretty shocking but once I, I almost again i don't even really kind of view it as a movie at that point it, you kind of can break that part off and say okay i get it that's a summary of about what we could have gotten in the second film but then what i like about many of those closing sequences is we can see a filmmaker who's trying to give a send off to a few different character arcs that he probably did believe in and actually care about because he probably spent like five years of his life between force awakens and this working with those actors and those characters and he's quickly trying to give the characters the wrap-up and the send-off and the no he was supposed to have a redemptive arc with han solo and then he was supposed to get together with ray and they were supposed to be Keymaster and fucking gatekeeper from ghostbusters that was supposed to heal palpatine and this and it's like a guy quickly trying to elaborate two movies worth of content that just wasn't there and in that way and here and this is the point when I, when I say that they're more effective is that the story fundamentals of that it just in terms of like there's real drama there like like star-crossed lovers on two sides of a divide dark side light side very similar to you know the, but they're just so much more sound that when like they come together and kiss and he dies and all that I can't help but in my dumb animal brain be more moved by that than I was anything in The Last Jedi. My dumb animal brain is like, that's nice. Every time, like when I see that, like that just is, works somehow much more, even 
even with all of the chaos surrounding it, it just feels so much more sound, and I felt much more like I was watching a goddamn movie than I was in anything of the admittedly probably more internally cohesive, not probably, very much more internally cohesive film, Last Jedi. Um, you know, this is this film's broken and disjointed in all kinds of weird ways, and yet when it just shows up and it has like two people on opposite sides of a conflict and one of them's dying and they kiss each other because he saves her at the end or whatever and he sacrifices himself and does all that to heal her. I'm like, good stuff. Like it. On board immediately. Mandalorian. There we are. It's like, just give me something that works. And um, yeah, so that's on that level, it worked for me much better. I, I understand. I get what you're saying because there actually is, you know, there actually is a fucking story to that there are interesting payoffs to the characters characters that could be potentially interesting instead of the cardboard cutouts that we've seen them as for the past movies but i actually felt like the the payoffs for all the characters were unearned at best oh of course it was like it was so rushed and you had no you had you have to the reason why i feel like you're enjoying it is because you are filling in the gaps yes a hundred percent i'm a hundred percent doing and that to me is like a huge failure of of the entire system that like shit out this disney trilogy I, i must i must agree with your point there too yeah it's that i don't know if i'm watching the movie that i'm watching I don't know that if I'm watching the movie that I'm watching or if I'm watching the movie that's playing in my head sure. that is yeah. the alternate trilogy that I can see laid out transparently there. It's like almost as I'm watching this, I'm simultaneously watching a different movie in my imagination yeah. that has these beats in it. And that's how and I feel now gaps. looking yeah. back to how I felt about The Force Awakens. Yeah. That's how I experienced The Force Awakens. I filled in the gaps myself with like, oh, this is going to be such interesting starts to these characters. There's this, yeah. there's Kylo Ren who's actually Ben Solo. He's a bad guy now. There's yeah, this yeah. like name, like nameless uh, orphan on a desert planet who's yep. force sensitive. This is going to be so interesting. Like uh, they, they, if they can pull this off with a plan, something that makes sense that comes together over the mm-hmm. course of three movies, that's going to be so fucking cool. And instead we got, yep. you know, we got for fucking sure. automatons. For sure, for sure, for sure. But like to your point about, well, Kyle, you're just filling in a bunch of stuff about uh, this movie. I will tell you why I think in this instance that is an appropriate, not normally, but in this instance is a very appropriate way to enjoy, view, in fact, perhaps a necessary way for certainly people like us to view and enjoy that film and not an inappropriate one because... We are very aware that it was, and again, this is, I feel, the uh, the little bargain with the devil that was made in the first film, which is we're going to make a Star Wars film that's about Star Wars. We're going to make a meta-textual Star Wars film about a younger generation inheriting Star Wars that was created in Force Awakens, you know, the devil came to collect his due in the second film, where it was like, oh, if you want to make a metatextual film at a moment when, like, the very nature of media is under the most intense scrutiny it's ever been, this is what you're going to get, Disney and J.J. Abrams. And then the third film becomes quite redemptive in that way, and that it's essentially about, and again, obviously... There is a huge metatextual aspect to Rise of Skywalker. It is literally, there is like soliloquies and they bring out their best actor, like they bring out uh, uh, fucking Oscar Isaac to say, ah, all the people, they just, 
They just we're just we're we're afraid that they just won't hmm. show up. That they've lost faith. That they won't show up. Literally, like 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 talking about the audience. I'm afraid that they've just lost faith in the rebellion or whatever oh, the this fuck. This is the a force. celebration of life. Exactly. It happens, or a celebration of elders. It happens once every forty two years. Exactly. A celebration like, of elders. Bleh. Exactly. 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 All that. So it's inviting that analysis. But at the same time, I can actually enjoy it on that level. And here is why. Because at the end of the film, and this is what I was telling Cliff, when everyone's hugging and crying and kissing and everything, you know, there is this, it feels, there's something that feels, I don't know, it feels like even the metatextual arc of this entire trilogy, and I feel this is a way the film can be remembered, reflects the last five six years really well in that it feels like it is a star wars trilogy that by accident reflects the arc of the culture war in the last several years and that the first film was trying to ride an interesting wave of like making a film about star wars star wars is for everyone it came under fire if you remember when the first uh when the first cast photos were released like not enough women or whatever it was and, and but it turns out that they were really trying to kind of get some of that positive energy a lot of the criticisms of the film came from the fact that they set up poe dameron and then finn to be basically two mis- directs about who the protagonist was so it would eventually land on Rey and they could bust out their big reveal that we have a new female Luke Skywalker. I mean, this was part of that story. And then, of course... Rumors were that Oscar Isaac was just too damn charming and they wanted to keep him around. So they have just redundant Han Solos piling up now. So they invite, <laughs> but the point being that they essentially strike this bargain with the, this kind of devil's bargain. You know, it's like we want to make a Star Wars film that's about star people loving Star Wars and that's about all, you know, it's about all of these things. We want it to be about this it's cultural true. moment. All of it. Exactly. Yeah. All that shit. They do that. Okay. And then they there's criticism, this, that. It's too much like the first thing. It's too much, whatever. They react to that criticism. They double down. They, they make it even more about the, na- the here and the now and the whatever. And that's what we get. We, and it, we get this, really, Last Jedi is a film that, it, for all that is bad about it, and I really don't enjoy it as a movie, it could not possibly more reflect the exact year in which it was made. It couldn't, uh, that movie wouldn't have been made three or four years before, and it wouldn't have been made three or four years after. It is only in this, like, like, like this particular moment would that film have been handed to that filmmaker to address that kind of subtext in that way on that scale. It did not make for a good Star Wars. I did not like it at all, but it definitely reflected that moment and felt like such a profound digression from what those particular characters had been set up to be that now several years later at the very same time that the white hot moment that all the white hot level of scrutiny that all media seem to be under in 2017 2018 seems to have cooled slightly and suddenly it's as if J.J. Abrams is literally restoring these characters to their original intention and everyone at the end of the film and you can try enjoying it on this level I promise you it'll you'll enjoy it much better everyone is hugging themselves at the end not for having survive the war with the first order they're all hugging themselves at the end of the movie because they survived the star wars culture clash of the last six years they're all hugging themselves like saying oh my god like i'm a palpatine who then became a star was a skywalker all the shit i was originally supposed to be like i'm back like restored we did it we made it out the other side uh, kylo ren is like oh man i did it I, I redeemed myself i talked to ghost han solo saved ray kissed her did all the stuff i was supposed to and everyone feels somehow 
like the characters are are back to not even what they should have been, but probably what the intention was when they were written in what was a legitimately, and this is the shocking part, a antique, different, wholly different cultural moment that was whatever, 20 fucking 16 when The Force Awakens came out. <laughs> I agree that as a as a... That what this trilogy will probably most be known for yes. is as a chronicle that encapsulates this particularly tumultuous time in the culture. Yes. That this trilogy will encapsulate, let's call them, let's just call them what they are. Let's call them the Trump years. Yes. In it some encapsulates way, yeah. this whole, and not just Trump, but I mean this whole, in parallel with that, this whole insane, you know, starting with everyone realizing that on social media you could get canceled for saying the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and then all the media is being very, very cautious about that, and then everything all the uh, movie studios are making are influenced by social media being upset at all these things. And well, I can see what you mean in the sense of the idea that that, that is Last Jedi's strange constellation of bizarre story elements and the selection of the filmmaker involved in all of that, a preemptive defensive maneuver against what was at the time perceived to be a very real threat to the success of films which is like intense scrutiny on social media intense whatever 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 and is like are is trying to make a like the a a film that so puts on front street its synergy with the cultural moment and that it's about being for everyone and inclusivity and representation and it's about all of these things and celebrates it in a big song of life and then everyone drinks a coke and holds hands is doing that like a pre a defense against something that they re- didn't realize that maybe a couple years later everyone was going to just scratch their heads and say maybe maybe that wasn't as important as we all thought it was not to say that the ideas aren't as important but instead the idea that the the intense power of people via Twitter to just hurt the box office of a movie was really again a phenomenon of that time and when we look back on this movie we will kind of have to unpack that for people <laughs> so that they can understand why that movie is exactly the way yeah. that it is. I mean I think it, yeah will be an artifact of you know to, to explain to explain to your kids that yeah prior to 2014 no one realized that social media was very important and then it became really 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 important for like 4 years. For like 4 years uh-huh. which peaked right around this year when this movie came out. And then it started to wane in importance slightly, or at least to the point where everyone started to realize, hey, is this all bullshit? It's like adults realizing, like, in the 90s that crank calls are a thing. Like, for a few, for about four years, you could just call people up and say, is your refrigerator running? And they would be like, uh, uh, let me go check. And then, then they would say, then they would say yes. And then you would say, well, you better go catch it. And they would say, preposterous. That was what the Trump years were like, and I think the cultural moment where people, it took them a few years to realize that you don't, you can just hang up the phone when you're getting a crank call. And I think that it's a defense against the jerky boys was an interesting. <laughs> you guys, uh, you guys, I think, uh, yeah. seem to be agreeing on this point. Yeah. Uh, and you're adding 
you're adding so much like they invited this that's the point i hate all this metatextual bullshit i hate it i don't like it at all this is not fun for me i don't enjoy doing it armin but they decided to make a metatextual star wars trilogy and therefore the only way in which to watch it is to watch it i think on those terms not the only way to watch it but it's how i'm choosing to do it right now and i think that they invited that and again when you literally have a text that's like in the third film that's like will they all show up and then they have a visual representation of like blockbuster success when all the ships show up and they're like they're lining up around the door for the star wars you know i mean it's just like it's you kind of have to look at it in that way and considerin 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 Armin, considering <laughs> how much we all collectively did not enjoy the digression taken in the second film, this interesting sort of uh, response, reaction, this interesting whatever it is, um, uh, I think can be very much. Un- I think we have a lot in common with Rise of Skywalker. I think if we, I think Armin, if you, me, and Rise of Skywalker just sat down to have a beer. Just three guys shooting the shit. I think we would get along a lot better than you think. Last Jedi was kind of an asshole, but I think Rise of Skywalker is actually a cool bro. Yeah, the thing is... He's um, a pretty cool bro. The thing is, I He's a I, cool am, bro. I will accept the meta-context. Meta meta-context meta, you're just adding a con in there. Meta-textual. I'm going to accept the meta-textual... You know, uh, environment within which this movie was filmed. All and that, made all and that produced. really means is they decided to do Star Wars yeah. about Star Wars. Yeah, uh, and then I'm going to go ahead and just put that on this yep. shelf right here under this hat, and then we're not gonna we're not gonna really think about that anymore because that's not why I go to movies. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't I, I understand that they did that, uh, and I understand that you know there's like this idea of them making a Star Wars movie about a Star Wars experience, oh, yeah. but uh, this movie was not. <laughs> a Star Wars movie or even particularly well yeah. done as a movie like mm-hmm. the the film itself if you if you remove all of this stuff of like oh my god the payoff was exactly what we would have expected to be if it was an actual three movie trilogy yeah, and instead yeah. they just shoved two movies together into this one if you just remove like all of that context mm-hmm. And actually look at it as the, the the third movie in the trilogy. It is a fucking failure. It's a mess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is a, an an uh, objectively can be qualified as a fucking mess. The first the movie doesn't even really start until like an hour into it. Yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, none of the actual action mm-hmm. in the plot makes any goddamn sense mm-hmm. if you just stop to think about it for even a split second and so like i don't disagree with any of these things so, Continue. so that's the thing like <laughs> the movie is so unsatisfying in its own yeah. like we did it guys clapping itself on the back of yeah, like yeah. look at this raise a fucking skywalker for some reason yeah. kylo ren is now ben solo for some reason yeah, isn't yeah. it so cool we got han solo back but we didn't have the time to do harrison ford's hair so don't worry about it it's not a big deal he's not a force ghost he's just a memory. he showed up for legitimately three hours uh, it's like they, it, they helicoptered yeah. they helicoptered him in he the helicopter door the helicopter doors open weed smoke just came billowing out he literally just fell out like a board <laughs> A plume of dust. <laughs> they dragged him into wardrobe. They put a, a broom up the back of his Han Solo jacket just to hold him up. Someone put smelling salts underneath his uh, fucking nose. Poured Jolt Cola down his throat. Yeah, yeah. He that's... just did one huge bong rip. 
<laughs> he did one take, but there was just too much smoke coming out of his face. And then he finally he goes, <laughs> "You're Ben so, Solo." So if you if you're gonna if you're gonna <laughs> you're Ben Solo or something, hey, is this the kid hey, from the kid. last movie? Hey, kid. <laughs> if you're if you're going to if you're gonna view this movie in a in and the experience of this movie in like a relatively positive yeah. light solely based on the fact that it it fits within this context that you're at like you're seeing within the environment that it was created in and like if you're going to view it for a positive light because of that then you have to also mention the fact that it doesn't work in mm. on any level for, yeah, yeah. for any of the things uh, it's trying to do. I on a sequence I, dis- by sequence. I disagree. I disagree. I think that after again after the first twenty minutes there, it. I agree with you that you know structurally it's a mess. If you think about things too hard, they don't really line up <laughs> great. It's just. I, no, I, I agree. I agree with you. Is, but but I would also argue that those things. I gen, this I genuinely believe as a person who watches a lot of movies and is familiar with movies that that kind of shit doesn't matter that much. I mean, what, look, what look, he means by that is that it's. I know exactly what the remainder of the film is. The remainder of the film is just a a nonsensical propulsive rolling of of uh of breathless uh of breathless sequences where there's always a propulsive sense of causality driving at the center of the scene throwing us you know into one scene after another after another which again it's it's a it's a trick it doesn't necessarily mean Kyle's using a lot of big words this is not this keep in mind this is neutral in terms of its quality I'm not actually saying that these are any of these things are good I'm just saying that's what it is it's just one it's like it then becomes essentially one long episode of Mandalorian after that and I can enjoy it on that same level it becomes kind of a long episode of Mandalorian for the last hour or so that takes periodic pit stops for Ray to have some sort of vision about the force or something but it's just a very various sequences that I kind of can enjoy on that same level I can't remember what any of them are right now but I remember that they were there the and thing I is though the time. The, so here's here's the part that that let's add another let's add let's add even more of another fucking layer to this thing yeah. like we you know it, you you could also talk about what it fucking could have been yeah, yeah. right you had again the the cardboard cutouts of human beings like pasted onto these these yeah, yeah. sequences right yeah, yeah. and the most interesting moments and the most interesting characters mm-hmm. like Kylo Ren in my opinion mm-hmm. was a really interesting character in the force awakens mm-hmm. like oh we haven't seen this type of thing in star wars before yeah, yeah. very cool we're going to see what this ends up looking like and the fact that for two and a half movies he's the exact same mopey like emo <laughs> motherfucker yeah and then has like this just moment he's like fuck yeah I, i've been killed and all these co- things suck uh, armin i it, mean it's like we we were we all we all well, agree the, that like the whole middle film is just 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 it's just not makes no sense it's not just that it's like if 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 okay so what about uh the fact that i don't know if you guys remember this mm-hmm uh, Colin Trevorrow was supposed to be the yeah. episode nine guy. Ooh, yeah. yeah. He was supposed that. to, and then uh, what was it? The book of whatever Jacob or book of the book of Henry. Some, the book of Henry came out, and they were like, Remember? "Oh, you're the worst filmmaker of all time." And, and who in the audience out there in the Scalas Nation was with us back when we watched the book of Henry trailer and analyzed it back in the Dal- the uh, Daniel days? That's right. Uh, and and. I, I and he's credited by the way for part of the story. Did you guys? You, oh yeah, yeah. Did you see that? that? Makes sense. Yeah. So he has a story credit 
Ryan Johnson's name is nowhere to be seen yeah, on yeah, this yeah. film, but even Colin Trevorrow, who was essentially attached to episode nine for like four months until yeah, well, he probably worked out. on some version of a script at some point, And so he has a name on it forever. So like none of, t- to me, none of the payoffs were, mm-hmm. were meaningful enough to, to, for me to ever really want to experience mm-hmm. it again. Like yeah, yeah. the movie dragged on while I was in the middle of it because mm-hmm. I, I could not, I couldn't wrap my, I could not accept the fact that this is what we've, we've come to the point where, Ray chases yeah. a fucking dagger to get a wayfinder, <laughs> and then she goes to the 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 crashed remains of the second Death Star, which apparently just survived the explosion well enough. And then she like pulls a thing out of like the hilt yeah, yeah. of the dagger, and it lines up perfectly with like the crashed remains of yeah, the yeah. fucking Death Star to point to where. And I was like, "This is retarded." Yeah. By the this way, is so dumb. By the way, I want to point this out. I went to the bathroom once. Okay. I wish I went to the bathroom at the beginning I went and to, didn't come back until the end. Let me put it this way. I went to the bathroom once and I missed uh, one of the character introductions. It was, I get the lady with, who like rode the, tus- the, the tusky creatures that they rolled out. Oh, oh yeah, you yeah. mean a black fi- uh, fin- female fin? Female yes. fin. Female fin. Female fin. Because they're both black. Because Well, no, uh, they're also both yes, uh, stormtroopers, yes, yes, exactly. escapees, no, no. and orphans. No, 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 no. What I mean, see, that's the, exactly my point is I missed her character introduction entirely. And then there was just another character there. And it never came up again. <laughs> she was there, and I know that I had missed the scene because one of those things where, like, I was heading out to the bathroom, like, and like right as her character popped up on screen while they were landing, fucking somewhere, I don't fucking know. And then I came back, and she was just there, and I was just like, oh, okay. And then she just she had like one conversation with Carl Weathers later, but like who she was, what function she p- served. I guess maybe she was responsible for those weird tusky horse things that they were riding. Maybe I think I don't know. Yeah, I, I think don't, so. I think so. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was something I picked up context clues. I don't know. But the point is that uh, the point is that her character sort of was introduced, showed up, and then had no greater role to play, such that who she was or why she was there would ever come up or be relevant. She same was there. thing. She, same it, thing with the gold lady, the yeah. or with the mask uh, who's wearing the red suit. Yeah, which is not necessarily an indictment of the film, but it is just a fun fact, you know, to, to know about it. The, it's it, <laughs> it, it's so it's so dumb. Yes, the yes, the yes. the plot itself, like the creative vision behind making yes. these people do these things for the payoffs that they yeah, have, yeah. Mm-hmm. is is so corrupt and <laughs> devoid of any real creativity. It's it's almost painful to see it. Yeah. Come, it's well, it here's, here's where I see J.J. Abrams' creativity show up. Is like we see that once people are on speeders or they're heading towards a thing, or people have to escape, or Chewbacca's and a whatever, and he's being pulled away by a so and so. You can see him begin to flex his muscles there, and there's a real joy that he seems to have in actually creating fun. Uh, just f- sequences that are thrilling to see play out. And that is something that is very absent in uh, Last Jedi that I was happy to see back. Because you can say that, well, the movie as a whole doesn't work such that I can't even enjoy various of the action sequences in Rise of Skywalker. But unfortunately, in Last Jedi, there just weren't a lot of sequences in terms of action or just in terms of just adventure that I, you know, to enjoy. I mean, there were adventurous sequences like the casino thing but there wasn't much there to sink my teeth into in terms of a well there was just so much goddamn indiana jones in this fucking movie (laughs) that you couldn't help but enjoy it like little canyon races and all the stealing of things and sneaking in and booby traps and shit it was a fun it was a fun indiana jones movie i'm I'm more or less on that same thing there it's like armin i agree with you that 
everything is very stupid about how characters get to where they are and why they're there and all that. But again, once, you know, hey, that guy's got a thing. Let's go get that thing. Or once, oh, the bad guy showed up. We need to run this way. Once those things start happening, it's like, oh, yeah, it's good times. Mm -hmm. Good fun times. There's one of those and then another one of those and (laughs) another one of those. Yeah, but that that only happens like twice or maybe three times and the rest of it is is what? makes we'll agree to disagree but let's talk about emperor palpatine and his oh, gigantic fuck fucking thing that sticks out of his back yeah that was fucking that was badass what? So, so let's talk about the whole palpatine. What is badass. Wrong let's with talk about you guys let's talk yeah. about the palpatine thing. so first of all first of all first of all oh. the palpatine thing i am pretty sure and armin's gonna scream when he hears this i'm pretty sure is a uh, feels like a, an homage to Hellraiser Two, Hellraiser Hellbound. Uh-huh. I know what you're referencing. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. I'm You've aware of what you were referencing. Yes, and uh, because Charnard, the uh, do- the evil the evil Doctor Cenobite, ha- comes down on a similar thing, and and everything looks very Hellraiser in that. Not, whole not thing. only that, not only that. Here's something I realized in Hellbound, Hellraiser Two, in that same sequence there, where there is a giant guy being let off a giant thing like that. Uh, uh, that looks just like the Emperor. Uh, the main villain that they are facing is the Leviathan, which is basically a giant floating crystal-shaped thing, yeah, obelisk. Yeah, yeah. And guess what the uh, Sith headquarters looks like? It's a giant floating obelisk that they need to mm-hmm. go under. So yeah. I think a much of the visuals for that whole sequence and all that stuff ripped off Hellbound Hellraiser 2, which I like... And it's awesome. <laughs> Plus, you got to get ready for those Chinese audiences too, because like last time it was like, what was the movie about? It was a guy and a girl, but they're fighting. Are they fucking? No. Why are they fighting? Something about the past. I don't remember. This time they're like, you know, fucking evil zombie cyborg wizard has a thousand planet destroying <laughs> ships underneath his death castle, <laughs> and because he has an army of just fucking infinite Slytherin <laughs> that are just there all of a sudden, and it's like fucking dope, you know, just no, set it all up, not just fucking dope. dope. Just, not, there's nothing dope about was, Palpatine coming back. It was especially the way that he's. It was literally here. like I could enjoy. I, this is this is a level, by the way. On which, if someone else said that they were enjoying it, I would say "fuck you." But I'm going to say that I've been enjoying it on this level because, again, they've the head so far up the ass again with all this metatextual stuff. It's all it's hard to take anything seriously in terms of a narrative with regard to this film. But you can enjoy it as just goddamn. It's like a giant fucking crawl ass movie that they made. Remember crawl? Oh, yeah. The fucking big ass spooky wizard at the beginning. Fucking Palpatine, big spooky wizard. I'll take a big spooky wizard and fucking thousand death ships. Sure, man. Last fucking last Starfighter meets crawl. I'll dig it. You know. And then after that, again, Ray has to have a bunch of weird fucking uh, you know uh, uh, head trips. Am but, I asking too much for my movies to make any goddamn sense? But we like, were past that point already with this trilogy. We were way past that. Point I'm just already. hoping for one moment any one single (laughs) moment that actually made any sense within like who was doing the thing and why they were doing it and who they were surrounded by and where they were and Uh, what uh, armin armin i I understand all these things but i say you just need you just need to lighten up man that that that's 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 kind that's kind of shit that's not that important notice that the shirt the shirt i have on me is uh dave from a david lynch film blue velvet and who did george lucas want to direct last jedi originally david lynch that doesn't that make any sense. That proves everything. That doesn't make that any sense. That proves I feel everything like you we made just that said. Up. No, that is no, that's a real thing actually. You didn't know that? Why would George First of all, <laughs> the way George Lucas 
is like one we vilified him for the prequels yeah, yeah. trilogy but everyone is now like on his dick for like what he would have done for this new trilogy uh-huh. and it's like pick a side he he's he is he is he the mastermind that can put together a storyline that everyone cares about or is he the guy that gave us jar jar binks which Word. one is it right so if it either way i i feel like i feel like i was i was watching and i've used this phrase before it was a fucking fever dream it was baffling <laughs> absolutely shit was yeah. going on and i was like why it was like transformers doing- too it was it was worse than a Michael Bay movie because uh-huh. there is a there's a world and rules within which a Michael Bay movie yeah, functions, yeah, yeah. which is American flags are in slow motion, things blow up when you touch yeah, them. Yeah. There's there's rules Ugh. within that physics of that world. But and it was actually a lot like a Michael Bay movie in that how oddly the weird improv comedy just didn't fit the scenarios at all especially for like the first 30 minutes just to i guess remind people that they were friends and they liked each other there would be a scene and at the end of the scene they would all go yeah but like that's what i'm telling you or something buddy and the other guy would say hey man lay off or some weird like quip that just made no sense and you're like yeah, we get it. They know each other. Fucking move on or write write it, a line. It's almost like the original version of the script was really clear about the fact that Poe and Finn were sexual lovers yes. with one another. Yeah, yeah. And then that was just too edgy for Disney. So they're like, you know what? Can we build two entirely extraneous side plots to introduce females for them? Well, that's because it was, it was, feelings it was actually a big deal. That was actually something that Ryan Johnson really wanted and it delayed production because when they told him he couldn't get it, he actually ended up shattering his hand, punching a tissue box and uh, <laughs> out of anger. Um... <laughs> I, I just... He tried to destroy his trailer, but no bones. We <laughs> just squeak toy against every wall. I, I just don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. I, I guess how someone can watch it and be like, huh, bright, yeah, loud, yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Like, I get uh-huh. those feelings. But the moment that's, that, like, that like sheen wears off, like you pick it up and you're, you like dust off some of the, yeah, yeah. The, the fucking cover on it, you're like, oh, this... This is garbage. Well, like, here's here's there's here's nothing. Here's, there's nothing substantial. Here's here. the movie. No, here's where here's where I'll actually I'll I'll jump in here for a second. Is when it began to be revealed whether it was ever intended to be Palpatine or a Snoke or a something or a this or a that. As you recall, the original image of Snoke in the first film was someone very withered with a huge scar on his face who could potentially have greatly benefited from the healing powers of two specially gifted dyad force people or whatever. And it was probably him who was supposed to be set up to be some sort of new villain or whatever. But when these things are revealed and it's like, okay, it's like they're supposed to be a special force lovers on the dark side and the light side and it was going to be built around that and they were going to have some special power why not healing that was going to be very valuable to uh, the evil side. And of course, and it was going to be revealed in the second film that Ray was descended from Palpatine, blah, 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 blah. It's like, once I kind of see that shape reveal itself. And once I saw that, I had a great moment of like, Oh, I like that. That's nice. And it made me have more of an affinity for what, at least the intent behind, because I think the series suffers incredibly from the fact that these things were set up very vaguely by J.J. Abrams in the first film and the hope probably that some person would just carry them on to their inevitable second step uh, or something that made sense. And then we didn't even get that and then we got this huge digression. So when I was talking about, and I mentioned this on the podcast before, 
I felt like oh shit I felt like my phone's beeping I felt like when I watched the trailer for the third film I was like still trying to f- I was like still waiting to find out like who is Ray like and I was still like I was still waiting for the reveal. I was still waiting for like or anything that actually gave her a character. They literally address it when I talk about this being a metatextual film yeah. in the film where she literally says in the beginnings like everyone keeps saying they know me, but no one knows me at all. It's like JJ Abrams is literally saying it's like I realized that guys were already in the third film, but it's time to actually reveal who this character is. And uh and that's and I really do mean that. Like her first step as a character, because I clearly probably for various reasons they didn't want to fully commit to laying it out in the first film or whatever. So they're like, ah, oh, we'll just lay it out in the second one. Now that it's actually been revealed who she was, I'm like, ah, oh, I kinda would have wanted to see that. Like I would have I would have watched these actors do that fucking trilogy all day. Oh, I would have yeah. watched them do that all day. Like and, they're great actors. And here I think is the biggest tragedy of it all because uh here is what I felt at the very end of this movie. At the very end of this movie, seeing uh Ray, you know, okay, she's bearing these two old lightsabers. We know she's a Palpatine. Here she takes out this nice new golden lightsaber, mm-hmm. and we understand she's super powerful cuz she has uh Palpatine blood and all that kind of stuff with a little bit of dark side. Now I'm like, "Hey, yeah, I totally watch another movie with her." We're going to make the next movie with her? Oh, shit. No, we're not going to get that. We need to wait a long, long time, maybe. It's like, oh, shit. Because the biggest complaint, really my biggest complaint with how the series has gone thus far up to this point, was that your lead character, Ray, who's supposed to be the hero of the thing, that you just don't know anything about her or care about her or see her as a character you want to see doing anything else. That was the state of affairs as of a few days ago before this uh, movie had come out. That's where they'd left her with The Last Jedi. And suddenly, all these things about her, oh, she's Palpatine, oh, and now uh, she has super force powers and a golden lightsaber and shit. Shit, yeah. That's that, that's a great character to watch another movie about. I'd totally watch a movie well, with that as the lead character. But that's, that's sort of the problem, is it comes from, if you want to get, you guys want to get real heady for a second about why I don't like The Last Jedi, is that, it's like Ray doesn't feel like a character because nothing has yet happened to define what her character is. And I know a lot of people have said that in a very vague sense, but I mean that in a geometric sense, in that Ray summarize her character. Like what is she fighting against, etc. If she was if she was someone who was good and wanted to get off of the planet and wanted to explore her force powers and be trained by Luke Skywalker, but and here's her big secret, here's the thing she's struggling against. The reason she was put on this planet, the reason she was hidden, the reason she was given up, etc., is because not only does she have a powerful lineage, but she has a powerful evil lineage. And there was a fear that she was going to be a little Damien child, and that's why she was hidden. Unlike Luke Skywalker, who was thought to be some great savior, she was hidden because she could be some evil thing or whatever. It's like, okay, that's an actual character. Like, we could do something with that. When in and you know where the impulse comes from, you know in Last Jedi, you know you can feel it at the le- because it's almost articulate. It's, it's articulated in those final sequences with Kylo Ren and and with Rey, where he's like, "You're nobody. You don't have a, a background. You don't have. You're like you're not a you're not a person. And you were just your parents were junkers." And then people. You know, a bunch of the people who loved the movie were like, see, man, that's what it's about. You don't have to come from some important lineage or something to be a hero and all that. And you just want to pause. And it's like, I just want to reach forward and hit a pause button and say, coming from an important lineage in a story, it does not mean 
coming from an important lineage. Like, kids don't identify with Harry Potter because they think they have secret wizard genetics that are going to be unearthed. It's a metaphor. It's all metaphor, guys. It's about believing that you have something really special inside you with, with, with Harry Potter, that you could, that even regardless of how terrible the outside circumstances of your life are, you have something magical within you that will, that once you connect with the outside world and find a home, yada, yada, yada. In Star Wars, Rey having some lineage, Luke having some kind of lineage means exactly the same thing. It means you have something special, some greatness within you that maybe you can aspire to be, to do. And that is what the force, his force power, his his wizardry is. When you distribute, when you concretize that, when it ceases to become an abstraction and instead becomes very, very literal, all of a sudden, you're like, we didn't want people who only have wizard lineages to, <laughs> to watch Star Wars. We wanted to make the point that it's for everybody. You just sort of have to stop and say, that's not what that's not what that's this not is. That's not how this works. That's not how this that's works, not how buddy. Any of this that's works. not how this works. Like when you say anyone can have the Force. It's like, it's not about people... The Force isn't a literal thing. There's nothing literal about it. The Force is a metaphor for something that Luke is finding within himself. Your identification in a story is through the protagonist. That is why when I was a kid, I wanted to be Carl Weathers, and I wanted to be Eddie Murphy. (laughs) They did not look like me, and I was not a cop from Detroit, but they had something, and they were fighting, and I identified with them. You know, and all of that... And when you concretize it, you reduce it. And you're like, they made, Last Jedi makes the Force so much less magical than the Phantom Menace's Medichlorine statement ever did. Because at least the Medichlorines, even though it's it, 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 it materializes the Force, at least it allows it to function metaphorically within the story as what it is. You know, something special within your within yourself that you can find and explore by increasing your love and connection with other people. You know, whereas that that still holds in in Phantom Menace. In 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 the Last Jedi, what is it? I don't know what it is. Well, it's also the same thing with the uh, the lineage thing as well. Like the Force thing, the lineage thing mainly functions in metaphor too. It's not making a statement that. Of the of uh, being pro primogeniture that uh, that, uh, <laughs> that inheritance must be passed from that that wasn't w- the point of Star Wars. I know exactly. Primogeniture is a fancy word meaning you know and uh, wealth is inherited from father to son. There, you know, it wasn't a political statement in favor of primogeniture that then needs to be overturned uh, for the sake of a democratic revolution. There, no, 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 no. the The fact that Ray would have had a lineage of Palpatine, all that means is she has a dark side to her that's going to continue haunting her that must perhaps be overcome against some sort of struggle same with a, a luke finding or, out or that even he has that you're not father. your roots or it's, you're not various- it's amazing that you guys are are just so good at actually coming up with what could have possibly made any of this interesting yep. instead of what we actually ended up getting well what i mean is well here's the thing and, and, and this will sound this will sound harsh but there might be some truth to it um, you know, Ryan Johnson is a writer director. He's made a handful of movies, but I don't honestly, I mean, maybe he's done a lot of writing work outside of that. I don't know, but he, the f- script felt not just, we've talked about it feeling like a first draft a bunch, but it feels like a first draft written by someone who is still writing 
by trial and error. And a lot of people write by trial and error, but it essentially means they're a writer. They're writers with very good control of story fundamentals and very good control of those sorts of things so that even their first draft is a bit more sound. And that's the thing is I, I feel like, especially with how he engages with the idea of the Force and how he engages with those things, it reveals to me that I think that Ryan Johnson was just writing by a guess and check. Like, I don't think he understood how deeply he was unmooring these things, which is indicative of the fact that I don't think he had a fundamental understanding necessarily of how those things worked. Which, again, a lot was on his plate. Some guy fucking suddenly handed a billion-dollar franchise. That's a fucking pressure seat. That's hot. Like, that's a hard place to be in. I don't blame him for it. But holy shit, like, like what? that's uh, mostly who I'm criticizing is not so much Ryan Johnson, but it's all of the people who, because it was the position they came out of the gate with, continue to maintain. I, and I have legitimately heard people maintain this bizarre opinion that not only is Last Jedi great, but it's somehow the greatest among the Star Wars films. And it's like, that is geometrically unsound <laughs> you know that is just it doesn't which right. is the most that's the, that's the most nerdy that's the type of thing, thing i could say but the, i'm like like literally the film the film doesn't work according to the fundamentals that make films work that were largely advanced almost as a narrative technology by another one of the films within the same fucking series it was called star wars remember when that one happened it's really good you should go watch it yeah, so. uh, that that's the type of thing. If I, it, you hear someone say something like "The Last Jedi is not only a great movie, but it's also the best Star Wars movie," and you can immediately just ignore any other things yeah. that come out of their mouth because well, they just don't know what they're talking about. That or point. they're being willfully dishonest. And it's the same way that disingenuous. I should say. That uh, you know, clearly, like Ryan Johnson did not know or particularly care much about Star Wars when he made The Last Jedi, which doesn't seem to be the case with J.J. Abrams. At least he has some sort of like, there's like a verve, a zest to Mm -hmm. how he creates like the set pieces where it's like, oh, I remember Star Wars, the adventure films, Mm -hmm. these naive adventurers learning about themselves and overcoming darkness and uh, uh, the unrelenting oppressive odds of a of a planet destroying ship. And then that is like somehow over 40 years fermented and turned into the like liquor that mm-hmm. is how about 10,000 star destroyers? Yeah. Each one of them can destroy a planet. And it's <laughs> yes. like, where it's like, where did this go wrong? Yeah. And honestly, I would say it went wrong. And the, the, the blame of, of this, like being a uh, a, a creative <laughs> failure has to get onto the shoulders of Disney. China. China, sure. But mostly it's like Disney. Everything was was really weird when the last one was about a guy or a girl, and maybe they loved each other or what. Evil fucking wizard. Thousand ships, planet destroying. How do we know they can destroy a planet? You gotta show that shit happen on screen so that people with subtitles can still understand what's yeah, happening. It's uh it it's shocking to me yeah, yeah. the the obvious and i am i would say i am like a a, an above average educated Mm -hmm. fan of this in terms of what happens on the business side of things Mm -hmm. uh and just from what i understand of of how poorly managed this entire trilogy has been and the entire disney star wars Mm. experience has been it's it's a it's a shock to me 
that they're even still making any Star Wars movies. Yeah. At this point, they're just like... Well, they did kind of decide to they pause They kind them. of decided to put put the kibosh on that for a minute until yeah. they can figure out how to well, do it without fucking well, it up this, again. This on the business side of it here is something that is somewhat heartening. In order for J.J. to have made a film that is so explicit in its thumbing its nose at giving the middle finger to the previous film and all the developments of the previous film, and given that on the business side, it's so, Kathleen Kennedy is sort of being pushed to the sidelines, perhaps, I think it is acknowledged within the company, and especially you know by, by r- relation to something else going on with the company, the Marvel movies, whose movies made more money as you get towards Endgame, I think it's re- recognized inside the company that Last Jedi big misfire <laughs> that the idea that uh you know you can just let this uh, star wars trilogy go on without having a strong captain at the masthead like kevin feige making sure the ship stayed on course to where it needed to go by the end of a third movie and instead let you know let let, let some guy write well, it's not just about kevin feige the, right yeah. because the the it's not just him producing mm. it and and masterminding the mm. entire mcu it's it's also the fact that they found a pair of filmmakers mm. who fucking knocked it out of the oh, park well, yeah. every time they they gave them the space well to the one do thing it. that marvel has been very very good about and obviously you know a lot of well, they they also come under fire for you know kind of producing you know pre- not for having just not a lot of individual director voices, but still they find a lot of really great directors who were underappreciated. Who that was sort of what was fun about them in the first ten years is there's lots of great directors like a Shane Black who never would have gotten a shot at doing a big movie, and then Marvel was the kind of place that gave them the shot that kind of shot because they were also notoriously you know pretty cheap uh, and all of that. But yeah, the um. The decisions with regard to the personnel decisions with re- that, that that have been made in terms of who to helm the various Star Wars films have been interesting. J.J. Abrams feels like a sound choice, and yet the creative direction that for the first Star for the for the Force Awakens questionable. Basically, essentially redoing all the iconography in order from A New Hope, and then not really committing to any narrative direction, hoping that it would just fucking succeed and then they would figure out by committee a couple years down the line what all the stories were going to be with all these fun characters they cast and then oh no scary cultural moment how do we defend against that who can do that ryan johnson people like him the nerds love ryan johnson he made that film looper that they love that film bloggers love film bloggers love looper everyone else has forgotten it exists uh, so they cast. So they have Ryan Johnson. Who knows? Maybe that would have been a good decision under different circumstances. But in this particular moment, the movie he made was not good. And then they go back to J.J. Abrams again. And then for the other films, Gareth Edwards. That was that guy who did the whatever his fucking name is. The guy who did Godzilla, did Rogue One. Seemed like a pretty good decision. But again, apparently eh, didn't work didn't out. Didn't work out. Well, they, so, they replaced him for yeah. uh, uh, reshoots in that movie as well. Well, and they also talk about the fact, I know that some of the directors at Marvel have talked about having a lot of creative freedom and they can make their own film and all of this and they collaborate and blah, 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 blah. And you just wonder, given how many people have been sort of replaced and fired and various things, like, uh, again, the decision to have Solo be directed by Lord and Miller, fantastic, great decision. And then they quit or were fired or whatever. So, well, I mean, fuck, you well, know, it, what, what is missing on the Star Wars side that is present to whatever extent the directors on the Marvel side do have freedom, you know, what's present on the Marvel side is, you know, at the time Thanos shows up at the end of Avengers mm-hmm. 1, 
The idea is, okay, this is going to be the Infinity Gauntlet story. Kevin Feige is in charge of that and is going to commit to that, and he has an end in mind for the Infinity Gauntlet story. And boy, you know, uh, 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 in Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, you better have this set up for Infinity Gauntlet shit, uh-huh. even though you don't like it, Joss Whedon, even though you're upset, mm-hmm. Mr. Auteur Director. You have to have these setups because they're necessary for the Infinity yeah, Gauntlet Yeah, I don't story. think, I mean, I guess. I mean, the one thing that's out that, that Star Wars is not absent on is a bunch of fucking setups, and we know really that aside from the fact that like Thanos was vaguely planned, what essentially what I mean is the issue is the issue. The issue isn't merely that things were planned. We cannot reduce. It's not. I don't think it's a univariable thing. I don't think it's like well, Kevin Feige had a plan, and the way to do it is planning, and that's what they, Star Wars lacked was plans. I bet they had a lot of fucking plans. The issue is this: is there's a million fucking decision points, a bajillion decision points in each one of these films, and it just feels like. Because whatever whatever amount of static caused them to not want to work with Lord Miller anymore and leave and then rehire Ron Howard and or hire Ron Howard and reshoot half the movie, there's just a lot of bad decisions being made over and over and over and over again. So we can't reduce. I, I hate reading the kind of criticism that's like, here is the difference between Marvel and Star Wars. The difference is planning or whatever. It's the thing is there's just clearly producers at work within the probably huge organization that is Marvel at Disney who are making a lot of good decisions under good direction and good administration, just making a lot of good decisions right in a row, and at Star Wars, for whatever reason, that mechanism just isn't there right well, now. Well, it's not there, but I, you were also hinting at it in your previous narration mm-hmm. of this. Why did the trilogy turn out the way it did? It turned out the way it did because there was at no point any confidence mm-hmm. in a long-term plan and was just responding to the cultural moment yeah. moment by moment as it happened. Yes, but if you remember, you know, uh, when John Favreau made Iron Man, he had to fight to get uh, Robert Downey Jr. cast. And I know Marvel was a different entity at that time. But then beyond that, like they, they even Kevin Feige talks about the Avengers thing was kind of a fun joke and a wink for the future. And it's true. It's like, yeah, they were, they were planning it from the beginning. He was still figuring it out more or less one movie at a time as they went and began to plant seeds in very much the same way that Star Wars is doing it. They were just doing it better with better scripts and clearly probably honestly just creating a better creative environment for the talented people they hired to actually be able to okay, I, I'm talking about something as simple yeah, yeah. as you know when Rian yeah. Johnson turns in his script it's for, Ryan Johnson god damn it when, when Rian Johnson turns in his script <laughs> for The Last Jedi yep. Kathleen Kennedy to say no you need this to happen yes, and this happens the, so exactly that it leads to that point. No, no, I don't think so because I don't I don't think the circumstances under which the second Iron Man film were probably any different than the circumstances under the second Star Wars film. Same circumstances and they and admittedly they both went really really badly at the same time. It's the same circumstances. Okay, we know broadly what we're going to do and we're planning it out, but we're going to make a lot of decisions and we're going to create some setups and my god, is Star Wars if nothing else full of a bunch of weird setups pointing in different directions. It's full of a bunch of setups that vaguely point that, and now, 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 there's the illusion of uh, of a, a more finalized endpoint with Avengers because we know what Avengers is, and thanks to comic books, we have a concept for what that is, and no doubt that aided them tremendously in giving them a very focused go west kind of a goal that uh, aligned all of their progress. But at the same time, they were still improvising some setups, some not vague idea of where they were going. The problem is, and Marvel made these mistakes. 
mistakes, and Star Wars is definitely making these mistakes, is that by committing to a really fast turnaround of a Star Wars movie a year, or maybe it was because of the particular leadership, or maybe it was because they wanted to enforce too much of a of a of a of a brand style, and therefore they weren't allowing the filmmakers to do anything, and that was frustrating, and so they bolted or whatever the fucking thing is. It's just clearly like the organization is not delivering them good movies. They're pro, and that and that's what's it's more in it's not it's more interesting to think about them in how similar they are. They're kind of doing exactly the same thing the same way, and it's just that je ne sais quoi is just good storytelling and that's what's fun is to think about it now and if anything i think it's why the why in god's name are they making fucking six films in six years i don't know so because they had to make four billion dollars back very quickly that was the that was the mandate they were under overall guys um i don't see myself watching last jedi ever again (laughs) and i I don't know if i if i see myself watching rise of skywalker ever again uh i kind of got what i needed to get out of it and I feel like the potential of what Kylo Ren and Rey could have been mm-hmm. is more interesting in my imagination than the actual end result of, what, sure. of what it is. Uh, let me tell For you, sure. I, I've seen it twice. And you know what? I wasn't expecting, I wasn't sure how to, how I'd take it the second time there. And I can honestly say I enjoyed it more the second time. Knowing all that happened and all that, it seems it, it coheres better than you think it would. After a first viewing, after because first you're viewing. filling in the blanks with not, your no, own no, understanding. No, Armin, Armin, but Armin, 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 you keep thinking that we're judging this by you keep thinking that there's some correct way to interpret these films according to a linear continuum between good and bad, and there isn't. There's there's literally just the fact that like it's a broken fucking mess. It's a broken fucking mess of a thing. But what's fascinating about the experience of watching it is a. I think that the 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 mechanics of the action sequences are sufficiently sound that I honestly think it's a faster sit than either of the two previous films. I was in fact of any of them, I would sit and watch it again because it's a much faster sit in terms of just the sequences actually are kind of fun to watch once you get through some of it. Honestly, but there's other aspects of it, Arvin, that even I was probably enjoy, enjoying far less than you that were harder for me to sit through, like watching how they tortured the assembly of the Carrie Fisher scenes so that all of the specific nouns belong to the other characters. And then they would keep cutting to the same medium shot of her talking to Ray saying, there you are. And then she would, and like her, then her body double would walk off screen. They did it like five times in a row. Ray standing with a body double, cutting back to her. And then finally they reveal the origin of the, the lightsaber. And it basically looks like someone has an iPad taped to their face with like an old picture of Carrie Fisher on it. That was harder. That was maybe the hardest thing for me to do. Is like, is this really the way we're respecting Carrie Fisher? Is like stitching together weird lines she said. There's like literally a moment where she stands up and walks off screen, and then someone else just stands up and says, "She knows what she's about to do to reach out to her son is going to be the hardest thing that she's ever going to do." Then we see a silhouette of some other lady lay down and like force fucking die or something. Again that's harder for me to watch so that by the time we eventually make it to like evil space wizard spaceship battles cool shit blowing up going pew 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 i was you know i was i was on board man nah i was on board yeah i'm gonna say yeah the the experience because it is such a fever dream of continuous you know sequence upon sequence upon sequence it seems (coughs) a little less coherent the first time through uh the second time through knowing once everything uh knowing where everything is going 
It actually holds together pretty well. Plays pretty well as a movie there. I think it would make a great double feature with that last Godzilla movie that came out. Another aggressively dumb movie that, once you get clear of all of... What was it called? Godzilla King of Monsters? Yeah. Once you actually get to the sequences... Uh, where the monsters fight each other that were probably directed by the second unit director. <laughs> Once you get to those, or some action uh, uh, special effects so-and-so, action designer, that's a new thing I realize is an actual term that some people are, are running around with, um, then it was a lot of fun. And I kind of felt the same way. I, it's like I kind of, you know, I, I ate a hamburger during the early scenes and was kind of, if anything, surprised at how aggressive all of the uh, big narrative turns were. And then it was kind of fun. Yeah. I also, I planned to have a pizza that I was eating for the first 20 minutes. Were so you was, eating was, a pizza, Armin? I, was, I did not. I was problem. dialed into that pizza for the first 20 minutes the second time I was watching it because I didn't want to pay attention to the movie, just the pizza over the Leia scenes. But well, again, once I got after that, <laughs> that's right. I, 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 was, I was enjoying the hell out of it. If anything, that's our advice. Uh, Don't pay attention to the first hour of the movie. Eat a pizza. No, not at, not hour. I'd say 20 minutes. I'd say after the first 20 minutes is pretty good. Eat a pizza. It's Turn good. your brain off. Try not no, to think I, at I disagree, all about that why opening sequence, doing anything. I, I disagree. That opening sequence with uh, Palpatine was badass. That is true. That's true. When we first see the zombie thing, I'm thinking mostly the Leia stuff. Yeah. So you know who the bad guy is. Here's mm. his zombie fingers. Yeah. Here, so the Chinese know who the bad guy is. Here's some zombie fingers. I think those are. I think zombie fingers are cross cultural. I don't think there's any 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 culture that think that that, that this. Is all uh, is yeah, all that's the, not the okay. twisty hands? That's not okay. Then, then, in then the a world. sequence where Oscar Isaac pitches the second film. Okay, guys, here's here's basically the deal. Palpatine's back. <laughs> Palpatine's back, you guys. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm 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 yeah. I don't I don't know what else to say about it other than it it was uh, it barely passed over the very low threshold that I set yes. for it and it was it was a slog to get through. But here's me. Armin, here's where you're not enjoying it. Here's where you're not enjoying it. Is I'm basking in the glory of Rise of Skywalker in a way in that it's kind of interesting to it's interesting to look at a film that kind of acknowledges in its within its text that acknowledges within its text that if nothing else we need to redirect some energy here and as people for who who if, if nothing else if nothing else spent the better part of four years screaming that boy we got to redirect some energy here. We could have gotten a sequel from J.J. Abrams that had a long Rose and Finn romance thread. We could have gotten there's, a, a, there's we could have gotten so many it things by telling me how much worse it could have been. But yes, you can, and here's why, and here's why, because I got I showed up and I, I there was a question that had to be answered. The first question was, and I and, and I will say this: if I had not heard how bad the reviews were going in, I probably would have still had some hope of a good movie experience left over, a, a cohesive movie experience that works, and I would have been a little disappointed. I went in, and this had to color my expectations. Everyone was saying, it's trash, it's awful, it's terrible. And then I went in on fucking Friday and, and watched it. And from that, I, had to, I went in more f to discover I want to discover what is it that is causing these reactions? Is it really that bad? Or is it something else? And I realized that I think the timbre, the really, 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 really negative timbre of the reviews is more, I think, the class of people, and there's a lot to criticize, but it's more, it's twofold. There are the people who are inclined to hate Last Jedi, who are now seeing the obvious flaws in this, who are like, 
fucking dunking on the trilogy. We win. And then there's the other people who really, really liked Last Jedi who were like, this is a betrayal of Ryan Johnson's vision because obviously the film is sidelining a lot for what that film was doing and blah, 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 blah. So I can see why everyone is so, 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 so down on it. But at the end of the day, you know, when the idiots who are dunking on the film and the other people were like, it's a betrayal of the masterpiece that was Last Jedi. When all those that shit calms down, we'll at least have a film at the end of the day that was like, instead that instead of just carrying on for another two and a half hours of whatever was going on in the second film, like that came firing out of the gates with big bold swings, had a bunch of fun sequences and said, listen guys, this is what we were trying to do. Here you go. And it does not work as a movie. I am with you, but my God, I, it was interesting to to. It was a one of the it was one of the most surprising movie experiences I've had in a good long while because I just wasn't expecting it to feel like such a such a, a again an explicit rebuke of this of the second film. And as someone who wanted to see uh, energies redirected somewhere else, I enjoyed it very much on that level. I felt like I was hanging out with Rise of Skywalker. I felt like he was a friend of the podcast. What I think Kyle is <laughs> trying to say, and I'm going to say this in an exaggerated form, because I know you'll... you'll oh, uh, please don't. I would say it in an exaggerated form. Uh, but, uh, Armin, I think I think any self-respecting Star Wars fan who hates The Last Jedi... Has to like Has it. to like Rise of Skywalker. He has to. I disagree. <laughs> he has to, Armin. I think that... I Shoes think, aside. I think the fucking politics, if, Armin. If what, what Rise of Skywalker is, more than anything, is J.J. Abrams was given a job, and he's like, fuck, The Last Jedi... I hated it. He threw away all the he's fucking a, things I set up in the Force Awakens. He's Fuck. a working man. He yeah. has to earn a living. He has to do a job, Armin. You gonna you gonna you gonna, you gonna take food off of his plate, mm-hmm. Armin? You and so take J- food off of his plate. And so JJ Abrams says, "Shit. Well, I gotta get a movie out in uh, in like eighteen months. Here, mm-hmm. I hate the Last Jedi. What am I gonna do with this? Chop wood, carry water, Armin. Chop wood, <laughs> carry water. Chop wood, carry water. I will I will give a middle finger to the Last Jedi as hard as I can within the bounds of decency, right. and try to make a fun and engaging." movie with what I have left. And what's more American than that? Revolution. Admittedly, it's going to be messy because of the mess I had left. He's you not a goddamn miracle worker, Armin. Go ahead. Yeah, You can't heal. Some, some scars will remain, mm-hmm. but in the end, hopefully we can get to a point. Scars, they're just memories. They're just memories. Where we are all healed. And we I've, can all unite in our hatred of The Last Jedi by celebrating together. this movie. Right now. The way I feel about this movie is the way Finn feels about Rose in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, God. He says, Don't say it. He says two words to her the Mm -hmm. entire movie, which includes a shoulder pat. Shoulder pat. To just show that, hey, I'm neutral about you. Yeah. (laughs) There's no feelings at all Mm -hmm. of any positivity. But also... I don't hate you. <laughs> so it was a fucking disaster of a movie. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I'll ever watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I'll watch any of these three movies again. Maybe like clips of them because there are moments that are like interesting and exciting yep. that I can fit into my own brain movie that mm-hmm. is cool. But the rest of it. Well, here's how I'm going to view it. I'm not going to view it as a trilogy. I'm going to view it as part one, part one A, and part two. That's right. So I'll just skip part 1A because it's largely irrelevant and yes. then just watch part 1 and part 2 on occasion. Because I, I mean, think part honestly, 1 and part 2... You could skip part 1 as well. There's nothing that happens that in The true. Force Awakens. You could have literally set this up as episode 7. Basically, Ray's entire character arc is happens just, in five minutes. It's just this movie. At and the I, end I, of this movie. And I really do mean that. Ray's, in, Ray's an entire character arc is like, hold... 
in the starting gate for two and two and two and a quarter movies and then go. It's like Ray's entire character is this movie alone. And honestly, think about that. Think about how different, and just again, I want to make this as real in everyone's mind as possible. Think about how different it would have been to have seen that beginning of that third Star Wars trailer and instead of Ray standing in the middle of a fucking desert in a knockoff uh, in a knockoff sequence from North by Northwest or whatever it was, instead of that, you would show Ray and you would know instantaneously like, oh shit, she's having to deal with her past because we found out in the last film, of course, that she's descended from Palpatine. And then we would have, she, she has to reconcile that. Should she develop her force powers? Because what if it ultimately reveals that she's going to be this big evil entity and she ends up destroying the world because she's in love with this guy and his, her love for that guy mirrors her being seduced by yeah. the dark side. Yeah, it would have been that. way better if it was better, Kyle. No, no, I no, Ar- Armin, you, you're really missing the point that I'm making here. The point, the point that I'm making is there is no better rebuke to uh, to the Last Jedi than to just look at how broken a film Rise of Skywalker is, and how miraculously even the forty-minute version of probably what was supposed to take three movies still manages to be more compelling than anything in the previous two movies. And that I think is the biggest re- is is the is the biggest statement against that, or is that the biggest um. The biggest thing I enjoyed about it is that, and not even against anything, it's just like, see, see, <laughs> and so, uh, and I think that on that level, you if, see? if I were to revisit any of the three films again, it would definitely be this one. And let me let me also just as one parting remark, going on what I was saying before about carrying water, chopping wood, carrying water. The way I'm looking at this movie is fundamentals. How good could the movie have been given how bad The Last Jedi was and how little mm-hmm. you had to work with? And so, shockingly, because I was expecting the opposite, I think this movie is about as good as it could have been I agree with given that. what happened with The Last Jedi. This is, this is best case scenario. the best case scenario uh, at possible. Yeah. And you guys take that as like a hopeful and, and really positive thing, and, and I'm just yeah. more and more bummed the, the more that sinks well, in. Well, here's what I here's what also could have happened. We could have gotten a really medium and mushy extension of what let's say if Ryan Johnson had done the third film. And then we would have uh, had to have had we would have had to have had an argument for a million years about how that like nothing of a like you know remember you know Ray the character who nothing ever happens about or is revealed about or does anything for three movies remember her not really that and then we would have to have conversations about about that's the greatest Star Wars trilogy for some fucking reason if you're a real Star Wars fan you'll like that one now it's an admittedly broken thing it's unambiguously a broken end you know it's a broken thing and I'm glad it broke in this particular way because I at least it broke in a way that made the whole suddenly snap into clearer focus that made the whole thing make more sense and gave it I think a satisfying ending given this crazy, insane, weird fucking trilogy that it is. And so I'm glad it was broken in this way uh, moving forward than if, than if it had been broken in so many worse ways. And in that way, I was relieved walking out of the theater. At least we still have The Mandalorian. We sure do. And we've been at this for 90 minutes now, so we're not going to talk about yeah. The Mandalorian. But what, a what, couple what, wonky what, episodes what, aside, it's been pretty good so exactly. far. Exactly. Last it's episode good. was it's, great. Last episode was great now that John Favreau is back to writing. And further, I think the timing is not accidental, where in the last episode of The Mandalorian before this is where it's first revealed anywhere in Star Wars and on screen that the Force has healing powers. 
little baby Yoda heals Carl Weathers' arm mm-hmm. there in episode seven Don't of The Mandalorian. And, and then, and then, and then, and then Rise of Skywalker happens, and what's their big thing with the Force? Oh, yeah, the Force, it heals shit. Don't it can even, heal I don't snakes. Even, I don't even want to talk about it can heal the, snake the absolute stupidity of the Rise of Skywalker's snake use worms. of the Force, snake or worms. it's it's unscience, hey, or Hey, it's, that's the same thing Baby Yoda did. If you baby, hate, not, not, baby Yoda healed his arm. Baby, baby Yoda, Yoda healed healing, a snake worm. Healing has existed in the Star Wars universe for a long time. Yes. Bringing people back from the dead is literally why we have Darth Vader. Yeah. Because yeah. he was promised a very impossible and borderline evil ability to potentially bring... I don't even want to talk well, about Well, no, but that's part of the text of even Rise of Skywalker. You have Palpatine who's being resurrected by clearly mechanical means like Darth Vader, and that's why he's the, literally the extension of a giant robot arm. And then you have Rey and uh, ultimately Kylo Ren who heal by uh, via some other, the, by some force means. And so it's this oppo- two opposing forces of, of healing old people or bringing people back from the dead the whole time. So I get it. You know, God, it's, it's a, so dumb. It's the same thing, but it's the, sa- it's the same the fucking si- thing. It's the same fucking thing as Star Wars in terms of how it sets up the forces relationship to resurrection and that it's like it's it's something that's almost sinful in the first ones and now it's like but it can be cool sometimes <laughs> you know uh, it can be cool if it's out of love it can be cool man more machine now than man but we will talk about one thing we will talk about one thing in the Mandalorian which is uh, the surprise review spoilers everybody the last episode was great the last episode brought everything back together in a really fantastic way but we got the reveal of Austin resident, former Austin. I don't know. Maybe he still lives here. I don't know. I think he's current Austin resident. Giancarlo Esposito. I've run into him at Whole Foods. Giancarlo Esposito as the clandestine big bad in Mandalorian showing up at the end and killing poor, poor Werner Herzog. I hope you're all caught up, everyone. Um, Yeah, that was was pretty badass. That was fucking That was pretty badass. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the nonsense... Uh, of how Rise of Skywalker lives within a Star Wars universe <laughs> is one of the parts that drove me the most crazy. That I've tried, I'm trying to like set aside because uh-huh. it's kind of like, well, yeah, none of you, none of you guys who made any of these movies fucking give a shit about yeah, yeah. how the Force works or the relationships between the characters yeah, yeah. or you know any of the history of like yeah, yeah. any of the fucking characters at all in any yeah. way, shape, or form or like you know whatever the rules of this world are. That's cool. It's yeah, like yeah. it's like as if. In okay, so like in like the Fast and Furious movies, they're basically all superheroes. Mm-hmm. But if The Rock's character started shooting laser beams from his eyes, it would be like, hold on a second, this is this is this seems a little off. Like mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about this. Can't put my finger on mm-hmm. it. Doesn't seem exactly the right the right thing for this movie. How does the Force work, Armin? It's uh, it's uh, it's an energy that flows through all of us. Yes, right. But no, the, but I want the novelization version. Give it to me. The novel, what do you mean novelization? Right? I want some deep Star Wars shit you had to read a book about to find out that they've all thrown out the door. Oh, they've the thrown all that shit out the door. But That's what the, I want. The, the, it's not necessarily about what they've thrown out the door. It's like yeah. what has been established within the movies, even yeah, just yeah. within the fucking movies, what's been established. Mm-hmm. If bringing people back from the dead is that fucking easy, mm-hmm. we would not have had any of these movies. It literally just wouldn't no, have happened. No, it's because they're a dyad. That's why they have healing powers. That is not a thing. Which also the Baby Yoda thing kind of discounts, but still. Honestly, but that, just throwing that out there, that as a narrative device, for instance, 
the healing oh, thing, the dyad no, no, thing, no, 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 the no, no, bringing no, people back no, from the be- dead thing. No, no, the dyad thing. The idea that, okay, no one has ever been able in the force to heal shit or whatever, or at least we haven't seen it, but because there's some sort of special force pair in love or whatever, they can somehow. I'll accept that as a narrative conceit. I don't think that synergizes with what they showed on The Mandalorian, but it's just another example of something that could have been good and would have made for a great actual story for the... Imagine that. Imagine that. And this is not praise. You don't have to love Rise of Skywalker to enjoy, to indulge this idea, but man, that would have been great. They're in love, but if they come together, they can heal shit, but there's an evil emperor who's trying to use evil, dark wizardry and technology to bring himself back and, and kidnap them and use their powers to bring himself back. I would have watched that. They all seem like they had personality. We're not going to get to see that. No, like, we're not. We're not. We're not. We're not going to get to see it. Instead, we got, we got this weird, like, yeah. you keep saying if they're in love, and I was like, what? at what point At what point was well, yes, their relationship? Obviously, it like, doesn't actually exist. It's, like, it's just so... Obviously, it doesn't exist, Armin, but at the same time, <laughs> you're, you're watching it like, like, you're pretending like when they kiss each other that like anything in The Last Jedi actually happened. I'm watching them kiss each other, and I'm like filling in the entire... Yeah. I'm filling in the entire second movie that J.J. Abrams probably was going to write, and then seeing them kiss, and I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah. yeah. I get it. I like it. That's cool. I think I'm just going to go back to reading the extended <laughs> universe books and, you know, playing the video games and later not on worrying about any of this garbage. Ever later again. on, Disney will announce that they're going to adapt a popular novelization. Absolutely. The, uh, because, but, and they're going to use that as a way in which to give an alternative uh, uh, Skywalker. Ooh, oh, 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 guys, with, guys, with guys, guys. CGI face Luke Skywalker. Guys, guys, guys. Guess what's, guess what's going to happen. What's guess what's going to happen. You, you, you know, you know the fellow we keep talking about named J.J. Abrams? Yep. What other, uh, what other movie franchise is he known for? Uh, directing? Star Trek. Yes. Star Trek. Guess, guess what he did with Star Trek. What he did with Star Trek, his first Star Trek movie, is uh, do an alternate time thing. Where you yeah. could have an alternate version of the events and the same characters gone. Imagine travel. if thirty years from now, a sixty-seven-year-old J.J. Abrams, uh, I'm assuming the math works out, uh, is hired to uh, do the first movie of the yet another trilogy. Yeah. But he, but he Star Treks it. He Star Treks it so that we have uh, it's back. It's back to the same time The Force Awakens happens. Starring Cyborg Harrison Ford. And that's not Cyborg Han Solo. That's because there will actually be a cyborg that looks like a goddamn Madame Tussauds wax figure mm-hmm. that will be there just crushing bowls off to the side of the stage, just over there. He'll be a ro- he's a robot, but he's still Harrison Ford. So he's going to be really baked. really loves all the being time. He's going to be super baked. And his face is going to melt all that Tussauds wax because the smoke, it just can't, whatever. Mm-hmm. Because so he'll have a very melty mouth. But... It, but but he'll be still some, be more some powerful story. Be able to still hear him and understand him better than the actual <laughs> no, no. Harrison Ford. The, the, no, 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 no. It's like he doesn't quite look like Harrison Ford, but then after a bong hit, like one side of his face kind of melts, and then he looks exactly like Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, so we'll yeah. see, see an alternate yeah, version with right. different, possibly with different actors, though some of the same actors. <laughs> With we'll see what what really could have happened with Harrison and Carrie Fisher, who's totally artificial at this point, uh, with uh, Luke Skywalker, who is an actual hologram, doesn't just look like one. Uh, see all that play out, knowing their backstories, and see a different trilogy play out, carrying on Luke and Leia and Han's story. Nah, nah. Mm-hmm. nah. JJ, I'm counting on you. You can do it, JJ. We believe in you. We will. We will. We have not. I 100% guarantee you. This. 
decade, the one that starts in 2020, has not seen its last Han Solo. I'm not saying it will be Harrison Ford, but we'll see more Han Solo in the 2020s. Some actor will take up the mantle mm. in some other Star Wars story. Chris at, Pratt. At some other age. Chris Pratt is I mean, his it name. would be great. That would be great. That'd be something. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that's that. Uh, that's the uh, last. That's the last scales needed of this decade. Of this Here, decade. here's how Star Lord's character arc will end in uh, in in uh, in, yeah. in, in uh, the Marvel movies. Is he'll get like teleported to a galaxy very, very, very far away. We'll get get amnesia. Falcon. Get amnesia. Wake up. Meet this Wookiee guy, and then we'll <laughs> find out that he Star Lord. That uh, Han Solo was Star Lord all along, guardian of the wrong galaxy. I'm just saying, Disney. If you wanted, if you just wanted an extra one billion dollars, just quilk, make the contracts work, create a little time dimensional uh, toaster fucking thing like The Simpsons, and then have Chris Pratt come across. That's all I'm saying, and have Chris Pratt as Star Lord. Fucking be in the Millennium Falcon with Chewbacca. That's all I want. Basically, I just want whatever kind of the shitty mashup t-shirts that they sell uh, on Instagram where it's, you know, like, it's fucking, it's the Star Wars cantina, but there's fucking Harry Potter's there. That's what I want from my movies. I just want Chris Pratt in the Millennium Falcon and then Thanos fighting Darth Vader. Let's just have that. Can that be movies now? Sure. Why not? I'm sure it actually has already happened in the 30-year gap between yeah. uh, Return of the Jedi and yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Force if it's Awakens, if it's just the name of the first one, if yeah. it's if it's going to be soulless anyways, let's just let's let's make it all member berries. Yeah. Come on, why not? Fuck let's it. see it all fucking burn to the ground. <laughs> let's get our social medias out there, man. I'm at Mr. Kyle Bogart on the most sensual Instagram account on the internet. I'm at Cliff Bogart on the fattest Instagram account on the internet, and I am at Arm Hammer TV. We also have Chase at Chase Five Hundred Four. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening. Um, man, darn it, we did not get to our top one hundred moments, uh, fitness moments of twenty nineteen. That's really unfortunate. I guess we're just gonna have to wait until the next twenty nineteen to do that. Spoilers uh, number one: Kumail Nanjiani's abs. Dude, seriously, he's way too jacked now. Yep. Oh, we didn't even drugs, talk about drugs that. Drugs are a hell of a drug. Oh, someone else, not me, on a different podcast pointed out the fact, but I thought it was a very good point, that he did a whole movie with Dave Batista and a whole press tour and became uh, BFFs with B- Batista immediately before suddenly gaining like an unnatural amount of delt mass. And it's like the rest of that body, it's like maybe he was cut and he was lifting and all that, but you don't get delt mass like that just out of nowhere. Not in fucking, not just fucking breathing air and eating food. There's something going on there. David Batista had a couple conversations with him. Yeah, hard work, this, buddy. Yeah, yeah. It had pays a couple off. conversations with him when they were on this press tour. Suddenly he made some very unreasonable things. Start to sound more reasonable. He gave him the phone number of a guy. We all know what's happening, Kumail. I don't care. We all know what's happening. He looked great. No, he looked great. I, but yeah. hey, no judgment. No all, judgment. I'm all, I'm all pro steroid there. Huh? Yeah, no, it's no, all no good. judgment. He but, and every other action movie star that you've seen who looks like that look great. Well, it's yeah. a, the it, same it, reason. It, it, oh, it's 100%. called. He 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 just called the guy and ordered up the Marvel special. Because what what do we have here? We we have all the Marvel heroes. It's the same the same the same the same kits they get. I think it's a, a six month process. Inject this here, this here, up the dose here, <laughs> taper off right before your big shirtless scene. I think it's I think it's the same guy with a well worked out kit for all the guys going into the Marvel movies. Good. Plus the whole time you're doing it, that little robot from Iron Man is like. <laughs> like it during that sequence like it's like a superhero building sequence yeah yeah except his drugs 
Welcome to 2020, folks. We'll see you guys next year. Merry Christmas. Later.